Hey there, my name is Madison and I'm one of the pastors at Kainos Church in Portland, Oregon. This teaching you're about to listen to is from one of our Kainos collectives. These gatherings happen once a month, typically the first Sunday of the month, and serve as a time for us to worship together and learn from the scriptures. On the following Sundays of each month, we gather in smaller groups inside homes. We call these Kainos communities. Here we share a meal and discuss the Bible together. For more information about Kainos, feel free to visit kainospdx.org. The hope of Kainos Church is that we are people finding fresh and fulfilled life in Jesus. All right, cool. We're on. You got to keep that in the recording. (laughs) Forgot to record. We're talking about prophecy today. (laughs) Join us on Spotify. (laughs) All right. Uh, So prophecy is one of those words that typically carries a lot of baggage or another nicer way to put it is maybe some preconceived notions. Uh, We hear this word and maybe we recall the numerous end of the world predictions that obviously haven't happened. Uh, We consider the, uh, the unknown of it all. There's a lot of unknown involved. Maybe we don't know who this person is that is claiming to speak prophetically. Uh, Maybe we just don't really trust the words that are spoken themselves. Um, And then I think there's also, you know, when somebody speaks prophetically or we hear that language, there's sometimes that feeling internally of like, well, if you only knew me, my story, my background, my struggles, if you really knew me, you would not be saying those words to me. Or maybe you're just unsure of the idea of prophecy because it seems like speaking a prophecy causes some sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can make it happen. Uh, Like that one about Tom Riddle, who received the prophetic word that he would be defied three times by a boy born in July. Tom, of course, uh, tracked down this boy to try to end it before it could happen, but he tracked down the wrong boy, marked him as his equal, and was ultimately met with a force he did not anticipate. Love. I really wish as... (laughs) I really wish that I could, like, transform my face into hard eyes. At the end, I imagined, like, "Mm." (laughs) Harry Potter, if you were not tracking with that. Tom Riddle is also Lord Voldemort. Uh, We got Madison. She's here. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe, uh, maybe the reason that you just aren't sure of it is because it's more personal, personal. Maybe someone has attempted to leverage a prophetic voice in your life to influence you and that it and it really caused more harm than good in your life so we bring a lot to this conversation and so i want to make something really really clear at the start that any and all of these thoughts and feelings are legitimate uh, if you search the internet regarding biblical prophecy you will find people adamant about the truth and dependence of prophecy in scripture if you search the internet regarding prophecy you will also find people adamant about the utter foolishness of prophecy in scripture. So if you have those doubts, you're not alone. There are a lot of people who have those kinds of doubts. Uh, I wrote, am I supposed to say that in church? (laughs) Uh, I need you to know that in this day of uh, an age of like information overload, overload, you will find exactly what you're looking for. And so what I'm hoping to do is provide a little bit of a framework for us to approach uh, prophetic scripture and scriptures that are under the umbrella of prophecy. Uh, It will not be uh, complete. Uh, I will miss things. 
Uh, you might not agree with my sort of rules that I put together, uh, and that's okay. Uh, but hopefully it will be helpful for some people, especially anyone who is newer to some of these books in understanding them. I wanted to turn to Deuteronomy 18 for just a second. Uh, this is Moses uh, re- retelling what, uh, G- what, Jesus, what God has told, told him uh, to the Israelites. He says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. So Moses is labeling himself as a prophet. This is according to all that you have asked the Lord your God in Horeb. Horeb is another, word, another um, name for Mount Sinai. So we're at the same mountain we were at in Exodus when the people were afraid. Uh, and we're about to retell that part here, Moses is. Um, so uh, you, you told God at Horeb, uh, saying, let me not hear that voice again. Let me not see this great fire anymore or I will die. The Lord said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. So God now is affirming that Moses is a prophet. He's given him that label as well. Um, That would have been really awkward if he didn't, you know. (laughs) What'd you call yourself? (laughs) It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, how will we know... How will we know the word of the Lord has, it, which word has not been spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. And so uh, this is, again, a conversation between Moses and uh, the Israelites. He's re- re- relating some information to the Israelites and uh, calls himself a prophet. God affirms that title, uh, but there's a lot in here, in this little passage, more than I really, um, I really think is appropriate for today. Um, but you can see there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of fear wrapped up in it. There's a lot of, there, God has an idea of what the prophecy, how prophecy should be handled. Um, and he's relating that to the people because he wants them to have some tools for uh, managing the prophetic voice among them. Uh, so I came up with um, some definition and some rules that I think are helpful when approaching um, prophetic literature. Um, at the most basic level, a prophet is one who proclaims God's words to the people, period. It's not a fortune teller. It's not a future teller. It's, uh, that happens to be a part of it. But the most base level, most basic thing we're looking for is God's words being spoken to a people, The message is often called a prophecy or the terms that are often used today are prophetic words. So here's the rules. They aren't on the screen. I can text them to you if you want. Uh, uh, The first one that I wrote was prophecy points to something greater than itself. A lot of times when someone or something claims to have a prophetic voice or or the the news is out that this person or thing uh, has a prophetic voice, uh, prophetic ability, uh, that person becomes a celebrity. That, and so the, the important thing is to recognize, especially as we're reading scripture, uh, these people are great in and of their own rights. They're also, I, I'll talk about this in a minute, but some of them are weird. Uh, there's a lot uh, in there. The point is that they are pointing to someone else. You think about John the Baptist who says, I am not even fit to hold his sandals because he recognizes I'm, 
the one I'm talking about, the one I'm trying to point you to, is far, far greater. Uh, John 5, 39 and 40. This is Jesus speaking. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and yet you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. That's kind of the idea of conflating the wrong, the message rather than the messenger, relating, uh, conflating the message rather than what the message is actually talking about or who in this case. Uh, prophecy reveals hidden things. This is, I guess, rule two. Uh, prophecy reveals hidden things. What do I mean by that? I mean that uh, prophets are exceptionally good, uh, exceptionally gifted at remembering the past, processing the present, and imagining what could be tomorrow. Uh, and uh, in, in modern times, a lot of people would look to musicians and songwriters as a type of prophet because they're able to process, uh, art in general has an ability to process the world around it and offer a new, uh, a new version or a new way of doing things. And so prophecy does this, uh, and often... Prophecies are often uh, in the form of a vision or a dream. So when you're reading the Bible and you're reading uh, the prophets in the Bible, often they see something with their eyes open or they are dreaming when they're sleeping. And they try to then relate that information, which can be really, really, really difficult to do. Have you ever tried to you know, relate a half-remembered dream? It is difficult. It's like uh, sometimes Abigail will share some, share, share some of her dreams with me, and I'm just like, wait, how did we, what? I'm trying to like put, the, it's like, you can't, right? And so because of that, it creates a lot of confusion to people as they read, or the imagery tends to be really extreme. So in some places, you'll read about how essentially the sun, the moon, the stars are all going to die. Well, you know, if that is intended to be a reality, or if that's intended to speak to something that has already happened, you can imagine the difficulty that that would cause in the reader as they're trying to wrestle with, well, that didn't happen. Uh, but that is meant to bring about that to us, it will feel like the end of the world, right? It's meant to be a metaphor for something. So prophecy is filled with lots of hidden, hidden meaning and metaphors. Um, prophecy is not always fulfilled in one moment or one um, event, uh, a great example of this is in Isaiah 7. Uh, uh, Isaiah speaks of a virgin birth. And then in 8, there's a birth from a woman who was a virgin. She didn't have an immaculate conception, but she is a virgin who then has a child um, through the normal means. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I laughed at that. <laughs> I was just glad that I did because there are children in the room. So I'm glad that I you know, didn't say anything different and wild and crazy. Uh, so, uh, so in Isaiah, this is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. Uh, and as a modern reader, we're meant to understand that. That's what the author is hoping we're connecting. But there is this reality that there is a certain um, fulfillment in Isaiah's time, and it's a sign to the king that is oppressing them. But then there is also an ultimate fulfillment later on. Um, and then last kind of rule is to just keep in mind that Scripture is written by human beings that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's because of that that we can have uh, unique personalities that we can actually learn to understand. So we know the writings of Paul because we start to learn his style and 
um, and all of those things. We, we then get to see that God allows the author um, uh, creative license. And what I mean by that is, as you, are, as you go through scripture, you begin to see that the author attempted, would use a certain word in places to um, tie ideas together. And so, and then sometimes break the pattern just to emphasize a different point or a new point or to further double down on the point that the author is trying to make. And so because scripture is written this way, the, pro- the prophets are really, really similar, except for you often will have this, you often will have, it's okay. <laughs> Bailey's face immediately. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, so what you have is you, you not only have these humans who are authoring uh, a written work here, but then they also often have a um, presentation of sorts. Uh, there are times when they are walking the streets naked, I believe is one of the stories. Uh, there's times when uh, they mourn a certain way. Like there are just things that the prophets are doing physically to show, try to communicate what they saw. And so sometimes that can be off-putting as a modern reader to think, how can I trust this kind of, a per- or this person, or this, somebody who is, you know, maybe off the rocker a little bit, right? Uh, and so hopefully that will help you to see that that was actually God allowing a human to be uniquely who they were. And he wasn't like, reprogramming them and now, okay, little robot, go do your thing. He was allowing that person, he called that person and allow. and I don't know about you, but anytime I can find in scripture where God is using people who aren't perfect, that's really comforting for me. You know, it's really helpful for me to realize like, you know, God could use me. God could do things with my life. Uh, so those are kind of the rules uh, that I came up with. Uh, what, But ultimately, I want to talk about the prophetic message. And prophetic messages, uh, we talked about they're uh, exceptionally gifted at remembering the past. And so exceptionally gifted at remembering the past, what I mean is that they're often rooted in covenant relationship. And so as we look at the prophetic writings, we can can start to see callbacks to uh, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, where God establishes his covenant with his people. Uh, and so in Isaiah 11, I did not put it on the screen, and I probably won't read the whole thing, uh, but there are specifically 17, uh, I'm sorry, uh, tw- 11 through 17. So it's Isaiah 11, 11 through 17. Uh, God is speaking. He says, what are your multiplied sacrifices to me? I have had enough burnt offerings and rams, uh, and the fat of fed kettle. I, cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls. Well, wait a minute. This is all the language that God outlines in Leviticus when he, he establishes this sacrificial system so that the people could be redeemed back to him. But what God is saying is that I'm tired of it. So what are we supposed to understand here? Well, as I, as I was studying, I thought, well, I do my taxes every year because I have to. Right? It's, not, it's to avoid penalties. It's not because I have a really deep relationship with the government and I'm really wanting to support uh, their efforts. Right? It's more because if I don't, you know, and I recognize I have responsibilities as a citizen. Don't, don't, don't mishear what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say uh, that it's, it's not because I have a deep relationship, but it's because I have to. And the Israelites began to approach the sacrificial system and this opportunity of redemption and reunification with Christ, uh, with God, uh, more as a duty. It became more of a ritual rather than a relationship-based 
um, process. So God is saying, I don't, I, I don't need any of that. I, you're missing the point here. And so, pro, so prophets often, their message will be rooted in covenant relationship. And then what they're going to do is they're going to bring that to the present and say, what you're seeing right now is a result of this not happening, not being followed, not, you know, we, we have missed, uh, we have uh, not been living into the ways of wisdom, as Madison said. And so uh, prophets are exceptionally gifted at remembering the past, processing the present. Uh, prophets speak to current events. And what you'll notice is that they're calling out the sin of oppressive nations often, but then they're also doing the same thing to the Israelites. And so depending on where, uh, where the listener sits, there's a message for them in it. Uh, they speak to current events by offering explanations to the children of Israel for why they find themselves exiled from the land of promise that was a part of the covenant. So you'll see that theme a lot uh, throughout these books. So they're exceptionally gifted at remembering the past, processing the present, and imagining what could be tomorrow. That's a, uh, I took a while to write that. I, how do I do this in a way that is honoring to Scripture, um, leaves space for us to um, wrestle with some of the things we read, um, and also, you know, it's really that tension we talk a lot at Kainos about there being doubt and delight, and, and I think some of that exists here. And so... Um, uh, the sort of future-facing part of the message is that prophetic messages often extend an opportunity to the listener. Again, wherever that listener finds themselves, whether they're the oppressive king or the Hebrew, um, oppressed Hebrew, there is a message in it for them. And for often, what we see is that there is a message of repentance and hope uh, and a call back to God. Again, we're calling back to covenant relationship. Or... And or there's a message of judgment. And so it's the opportunity is if you continue down the path you're going, the future doesn't look too good. You know, we can see how these visions would kind of give the prophet uh, an understanding and a unique view into the future if we don't change what's currently happening here. And so uh, but if we do, here is the realized end. Right. Uh, in our Kainos communities, and if you're not a part of one, I rec- highly recommend, 1010 recommend that. Uh, Kainos communities, we often ask the question, if this passage is true, what do I need to change? If this passage is, is true, what does it mean for my week, this next week? And how can I begin to apply it? And I think that this future-facing part of it is really, that's the idea, is that if it's true that I'm in a covenant relationship with God, And because of my actions of stepping outside of that, uh, I find myself in a sort of chaotic atmosphere, a space where uh, control is just out of of my hands. Uh, If that's true and I have an opportunity to repent and turn back to to God or let this continue, then, well, if that's true, what will I do now uh, to change? Uh, I wrote, God wants more for you, but you've got to change some things. It's kind of the idea here. So much of what we read about in the prophetic books is meant to point to something and someone much greater. Because in the imagination of the ancient Israelite, there was ambition, uh, there was an anticipation of everything being made right and new. They were given a land of promise and then exiled from it. And the prophets spoke to a return back to that. As modern readers, we look back and understand that these prophets were pointing to Jesus 
and the kingdom he came to establish. So as we read the prophets over the next few weeks in preparation for the New Testament, let's look for the Messiah who has been promised. Let's look for the callbacks to covenant relationship and look toward the weirdness of the author and how God used that author to uh, share his message. He didn't look for somebody who had it all together. He wasn't looking for the rich and famous. He wasn't looking for any of that. As we read the prophetic books, it can be easy to get lost in the details and in the minutiae. The details matter. They are important. But let's not miss the heart of what the prophet was trying to communicate. Prophets are often attributed uh, with predicting the future, but I would argue it's not the primary function of a biblical prophet. Their primary function is to proclaim God's word to the people. If a prophet is one who proclaims God's words to the people, then it doesn't seem like much of a leap to think that God could use you or me in a prophetic way in somebody else's life. Um, are you coming up at the end? No. Okay. <laughs> Madison is? Okay. That'll stay in the recording too. Uh, join us uh, Sundays. Uh, and so maybe in your Kainos community, you sense a theme that many are dealing with anxiety. And so you highlight it and remove the shame someone might be carrying because they felt that way. Uh, Maybe God will bring to mind someone that you haven't heard from in a while, thought of in a while, interacted with in a while, and you send them a text and that text changes their whole day. Maybe a coworker comes back from her lunch break and you can tell that she's been crying and a hug from you reminds her that she's not alone. Prophecy doesn't have to be spooky. It's simply partnering with God to remind someone that God loves them and wants more of them. I think if we approach prophetic books in this way, uh, we may not understand everything. We probably won't. Uh, We may not agree with everything and not be able to reconcile everything that we read uh, with other parts of Scripture, but we can get the message uh, uh, that God wants more, and he wants to give it to us, um, but that also he wants to partner with us to share and proclaim his word with other people. So let's pray.